0: Welcome to the Couch Potatoes, I'm Brett McGarry. This week, I finally started watching a show I have been meaning to watch for years. I'll tell you about the amazing British police show starring Idris Elba, Luther, plus...
1: I'm Jeff Braun. One of our favorite filmmakers has a new movie out on Netflix, Our View, David Fincher's Mank.
0: And last week, I told you about how I watched... That Mr. Rogers movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, because I needed something uplifting? Well, this week, I've got another dose of uplifting stuff, even though it has to do with 9-11. Trust me, it'll make sense. We begin, we must begin, with me falling on the sword. As I must follow up on something that I opened the show with last week, concerning this series. Everyone will always underestimate you. You must make him pay for it. My darling Bjorn. We lost Ragnar. We lost Lagertha. Perhaps the golden age of the Vikings is gone.
1: We need you to live. To lead us.
0: Vikings! The second half of the sixth and final season debuts at the end of the month. Last week, Amazon announced Vikings would debut exclusively on Prime Video before it debuts on its parent network, History. So it's going to debut on December 30th in five countries, including the U.S. But Canada was not on that list, and there was no word at the time what the plan was for Canada. We record this show, The Couch Potatoes, on Thursday afternoons. It's made available immediately via podcast, and then it airs across Canada on various stations throughout the weekend. So, of course, before the couch potatoes were heard on any airwaves last week, it was announced that Vikings will debut on History on January 1st. They made that announcement on Friday. We record on Thursday. That announcement made on the Friday. I mean, hey, that's great news, of course, but I probably should have reminded during my little rant Last week. Hey, just so you know, we record this on Thursdays, and as of this moment, no word on the plan for Canada. But that's subject to change. Maybe even it has already changed. Glad it worked out that Canadians won't have to wait all that long uh, at all to see the show because I can't wait to see how they close out the season and the series. Vikings made my top 10 of the decade last year, so I am pumped. Uh, there is going to be a spin-off show coming to Netflix down the road, but in the meantime, if you want to see past seasons of Vikings, you can get the first three seasons on Netflix, then seasons four through six uh, through Prime Video by subscribing to the Stack TV add-on, which comprises a family of chorus entertainment channels like History, Showcase, and, of course... Global and Jeff, I mean we we've been I, I don't know burned is the right word to use, but this uh, this is something where we get hosed by this thing all the time. Where we record it on Thursdays, but more often than not, there's either big news on Friday or big trailers or stuff that happens on Friday that kind of blows up yeah. our show.
1: Yeah, I think more than once already, uh, the future of the upcoming James Bond movie has uh, changed its tune from what we said on Thursday by the next. Day or even later that day. (laughs) So we've been burned by Bond many times. And just so everyone knows, after we finish recording today, um, Disney is going to announce a bunch of stuff. It's their annual investor update meeting kind of thing and they usually drop some uh some some it's they spell out their plans for 2021 so there'll be marvel news and star wars news and when you don't hear it in our show today it's because they haven't said it yet even though by the time you listen to it they probably already have and if there's anything huge we'll get to it next week
0: all right and we are going to talk a little bit about spider-man 3 because there's been a ton of buzz about spider-man 3 this week so we'll get into that in our next segment as jeff Says he has plowed ahead with watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Phase two is complete, so we'll check in on that in a second. But I also want to tell you that I was pleasantly surprised to learn just the other day that the fifth season of another one of my top ten from the last decade debuts next week. I completely forgot about it. I guess I just assumed that it would be gone for a while due to the pandemic. But turns out they fil- finished filming... Before the pandemic even started, I'm talking about this space show, The Expanse. My name is Marco Naros. I am the commander of the Free Navy. With the opening of the alien gates, we are at a crossroads. No longer will Belters be persecuted. With this attack, we will show our oppressors a thing they never thought possible. The future of the belt has begun. I love The Expanse. Based on a series of books set in the future, humans have colonized much of the solar system. Mars, the asteroid belt, and for a long time they all hated each other. The Earthers, the Martians, and the Belters. In that first season, an ancient alien technology is discovered and a massive conspiracy begins to emerge. And that conspiracy almost brought the solar system to war. The implications of that technology over the seasons have turned out to be huge. And the show keeps getting better and better. It's a great story, great science fiction, great visuals. It's just great. started off on sci-fi in the U.S. and it aired in Canada on space. Sci-fi then cancelled it. After three seasons, but it was rescued by Amazon for season four. And wow, did Amazon's money make a difference because while they did a great job at sci-fi, season four just looked so much better. So now we've got season five coming and they're doing it different this year. When it aired on TV, The Expanse was a week to week show. When Prime debuted season four, they just dropped it all at once. So I hammered through it in like two days. So, of course, I can barely remember it. Uh, because it aired in December of last year. For season five, they're following the model they employed for season two of The Boys earlier this year. They're going to debut three episodes on December 16th and then a new episode weekly for the rest of the 10-episode season. The strategy worked really well for The Boys. That second season, that show had a ton of buzz for several weeks. So hopefully it helps with The Expanse to give it some more profile because I just love this show so much. There will be a sixth season and it will be the final season for The Expanse. I also want to take a moment here to tell you uh, about something. It's finally started watching this show. I've been wanting to watch it for years, but it's always one of those things where I see something about it online and I think, hey, I should watch that. And then I forget. But someone asked me about it this week, asked me what I know about it, where I can watch it. So I finally, finally got into the amazing crime drama, Luther. Have a listen to some of the trailer.
1: can't you see i'm calling a guy like you should wear warning it's dangerous i'm falling
0: gci luther first victim's paul redfoot this isn't random is it it's gonna be more Love, by the way, that dark remake of Britney Spears' Toxic that they used in that trailer. That was a trailer for season five, by the way, but there was nothing spoilery uh, in that. I actually watched the trailer for season five. First, like before I watched any of the other trailers, I didn't realize it was a season five trailer, but it didn't ruin anything for me. Idris Elba stars in this award-winning series as John Luther, near genius murder detective whose brilliant mind can't always save him from the dangerous violence of his passions. I didn't write that, by the way. I'm not that clever. I just stole that from the show's official synopsis. It's a BBC show, thanks to that handy app that uh, you found, Jeff. Just watch. Yep. Uh, that thing saves me on a weekly basis, like multiple times a week. <laughs>
1: Absol- might- yeah, I use it every single day for something. It's just, it's yeah, it just saves you from having to go through everything the, to hunt something down. Yeah,
0: so uh, because of that app, Just Watch, I learned that it is available to stream on CBC Gem which I honestly didn't even know was a thing. And you can watch it for free. They give you the option of setting up a free account with ads or a premium account, which I'm guessing has no ads and maybe more stuff. I don't know. I just went with a free account. took me all of 30 seconds to download and set up, and I was immediately watching Luther, which is compatible with my Google Chromecast, so I can watch it on my TV. I would add... That as far as the ads go, I think I've now seen the same Fountain Tire ad at least 30 times in the last week. Uh, because they don't throw in ads in every uh, sort of break. Like, so like there'll be a, a break, and then the show will come back, and then a break, and then the show will come back, and then a break. And then they start showing ads uh, for the rest of the episode. So uh, there are five seasons. I've gotten through three of them. And just it's classic British television. The first season is six episodes. Second season is four. Third season is four. The fourth season is two episodes, like a two-episode season of television, and season five is four episodes. Also classic British, debuted in 2010, season two in 2011, or I should say series, because that's what they say over there, Series 3 in 2013, Series 4 in 2015, and then Series 5 didn't arrive until 2019, and a 6th series has not yet been ordered. But it is super intense, super thrilling, the crimes are crazy dark, and sometimes downright horrifying, like right out of a horror movie, uh, really creepy stuff in places. It is almost comical how every crime is so insane, but overall, I really dig this. And Idris Elba, uh, no wonder I've, I've heard nothing but good things about it. He is amazing in this show. I like him in everything he does, but in most of the movies, I've at least the ones that I've seen him in, I haven't watched all of his movies, but he's often a supporting player, right, Jeff? Like he was uh, Heimdall in the Marvel movies, or he played the super bad guy in that Fast and
1: Furious spin off. What was that called? Hobbs and Shaw? Hobbs and Shaw, yep. Plus Stringer Bell, of course, on The Wire.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. I've never, I didn't actually see him in that because I still have only seen the <laughs> fifth and final season. Of that show But Luther is great So if you want An awesome crime drama Check out Luther Uh, Once again available For streaming On CBC Gem Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2 Rewatch Jeff Braun gives us details Next you're listening To The Couch Potatoes
1: Welcome back To The Couch Potatoes I'm Jeff He's Brett And I completed Phase 2 Of my Marvel Cinematic Universe Rewatch this week Hey Cap How do we know The good guys From the bad guys If they're shooting at you They're bad That sort of says it all. Phase 2 includes the movies Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, Captain America The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man. Things shift in Phase 2 compared to Phase 1 as the overarching story of the Infinity Saga starts picking up steam and a lot more humor is added into the movies as well. Not to mention there's all the new characters, of course. Phase 2 starts with a couple of more minor movies in the overall scheme of things, although I do think Iron Man 3 is vastly underrated. A lot of that has to do with the fact there's a huge twist regarding the bad guy played by Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin. The twist was very fun the first time you saw it, but I think it also you know helps people dismiss the movie. It's also weirdly sort of a Christmas movie. A lot of the action is set in Malibu and Miami. Not really what you think of at Christmas, but there is a big, se- a big section in a wintry Tennessee town where Tony Stark finds a sidekick in a little kid, and that's sort of a Christmassy vibe there. Robert Downey Jr., of course, shining again. And it's kind of weird to think that just seven movies into the MCU, we've now seen the last Iron Man movie. Mm -hmm. It's followed by Thor The Dark World. I had little recollection of this movie, only having seen it once before. It's definitely bottom-tier MCU, but it's still pretty good. I don't think any of these MCU movies are outright bad, just some are not as good as others. Often it has to do with the bad guy, and in Dark World, there's nothing special about the generic bad aliens trying to destroy the universe. After that comes The Winter Soldier, and that's absolutely one of the best in the series. Probably my favorite prep. While we've you know had and are about to have a lot of space spectacle, this Captain America movie it has a lot of hand-to-hand combat and chases and shootouts in the streets, and it's all just electric. The plot also zips along and introduces us to the Falcon and, of course, the Winter Soldier, and it also sees the end of S.H.I.E.L.D. and a lot of Hydra stuff. So those are fun, but when you really start getting into the Infinity Saga, you go to the Guardians of the Galaxy because that introduces some crazy characters in space as well as another Infinity Stone. It's super fun and funny. and was a wild swing that Marvel took at the time that paid off handsomely because nobody had ever heard of them before, really. Besides being a breath of fresh air, we also get our first good look at, at Thanos, who, of course, becomes the major bad guy. Then Avengers, or Vagers, Avengers Age of Ultron That one kind of baffles me. It should have been better, but it does have a lot of great stuff. I just don't like Ultron. Evil robots don't do it for me, and when they have an army of evil robots fighting for them, it's just a snooze fest for me. But as it plays into the bigger saga, it's an important movie, ending with that mid credit stinger of Thanos reaching for his gauntlet. It also really sets the stage for a few different things, like Hulk in space, the Civil War rivalry between Captain America and Iron Man, and of course it also brings Scarlet Witch and Vision into the proceedings. And then phase two ends with Ant-Man. Brett almost as wild of a swing as Guardians, because he's not a well-known hero, and the name Ant-Man is not terribly intimidating. I think a lot of people laughed when they first heard Ant-Man. But like Guardians, it's fun and funny, and when the cast has Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas in it, I'm probably going to enjoy the movie, so... That's the halfway point of the MCU so far. 12 down, 11 to go. Civil War is next, and that's sort of like an Avengers movie because everyone except for Thor and the Hulk are in it. And we will also be introduced to Black Panther and Spider-Man. And speaking of Spider-Man, there was a lot of talk this week about Spider-Man. Peter? Are you okay? Happy, is that you? Is it me? Yeah, of course it's me. Stop!
0: Tell me something only you would know. Only I would know. Uh... Yeah, w- remember we went to Germany? You pay-per-viewed a video in your room? They didn't list the titles, but I could tell by the price it was an adult film at the front desk, and you didn't know how I okay, knew... Okay, okay, fine, it's you, it's you, it's you, stop! <sighs> so good to see you. <sighs>
1: Peter, you're gonna have to tell me what the hell's going on here. That, of course, is a clip from Spider-Man Far From Home, and they're gearing up now for the third MCU Spider-Man movie, and they've been announcing cast members left and right, returning cast members from other Spider-Man movies. We've heard that other Spider-Men, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield, are going to reprise their roles. Now we also know that some of the bad guys, like Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina, who play Electro and Doc Ock, are coming back, as well as Kirsten Dunst and Emma Stone, who play Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy, Benedict Cumberbatch will be in a two as Doctor Strange, obviously. That's just regular MCU continuity, but pretty wild breath that they're bringing back these characters from the old other Spider Man movies and what's obviously a, a multi Spider Verse scenario. And another cool thing
0: about this, too, is that it's being widely reported that it's likely that Charlie Cox is going to be back reprising his role as Daredevil from the Netflix series. So that's exciting stuff. Spider Man and Daredevil have appeared together in comic books a lot, and the Kingpin is a common. Villain, a common foe for them. So I hope that turns out to be true, and it may in fact be true because, as you pointed out, Disney has its big presser today on Thursday when we're recording this. Uh, they're going to announce a bunch of stuff likely today, so we may have more details in Spider-Man Three already out this weekend. But uh, I'm excited about this. Are you?
1: Oh, I'm real excited about it. Uh, I hope you know when the, you start adding star after star after star after star, it can get a little unwieldy. But I guess uh, imps mcu has earned our trust
0: yeah they uh they continue to as you pointed out they're even a not great marvel movie isn't really all that bad it's just not the best in a moment speaking of the best jeff braun has a review of what is regarded as one of the best films if not the best film ever made details next you're listening to the couch potatoes
1: welcome back to the couch potatoes i'm jeff he's brett and i caught up on a classic this week that i probably should have seen decades ago i finally watched Citizen Kane.
0: Citizen Kane is a modern American story about a man called Kane. Charles Foster Kane. I don't know how to tell you about him. There's so many things to say. I'll turn you over instead to the characters in the picture. As you'll see, they feel very strongly on the subject.
1: Charles Foster Kane
0: is. Sure, he started the war. But do you think if it hadn't been for Mr. Kane, the United States would have the Panama Canal? Charles Foster Kane is nothing more or less. And a communist! Kane, hey, governor. Listen, when the voters of this state and Mrs. Kane learn what I found out about Mr. Kane and a certain little blondie named Susan Alexander, he couldn't be elected dog catcher. I'm going to skin Mr. Charles Foster Kane alive. I'm going to marry him next week at the White House.
1: Now, this is sort of a two movie review because director David Fincher, who you might know from such films as Seven, Fight Club, and The Social Network, had a new movie come out on Netflix last weekend called Mank. That movie's about the guy who co-wrote Citizen Kane with Orson Welles. I wanted to watch Mank, but having never seen Citizen Kane, I thought I should do that first. And it was great. Not sure I'd name it the greatest movie of all time, as so many have. But I also wouldn't argue with the people who say it is the greatest of all time. It is a meticulously shot movie where every single shot was obviously intricately planned out and executed. And for 1941, it's clearly quite a technical achievement. Obviously, you'd have to watch it many times to really catch all the detail, and volumes have been published about the meaning of it all, and me watching it for the first time was basically just to get the story and admire the surface-level filmmaking. The story, by the way, is basically the life and times of a, a newspaper magnate named Charles Kane, who has nothing, then has everything, then loses all the things that matter most in life. It's a story that's been done a thousand times. Most gangster movies sort of follow this arc in some manner, and I don't know that Citizen Kane was even the first movie to do something like that, but it clearly had the biggest Impact. And the rise and fall of Cain is told after his death as a newspaper reporter visits all the people from Cain's life trying to piece together his story, specifically what he may have meant with his dying words. Rosebud. Now, that's the part that was anticlimactic, because I knew going in what Rosebud is, I mean, Charlie Brown spoiled that decades ago for me, so the full impact of that storyline, you know, was lost, but that's fine, because the movie is much more about the journey than the destination. The movie, uh, while obviously nearly 80 years old, also feels very timely in many of the ways Kane is portrayed. There are all sorts of political tie-ins you could easily see, which I was not expecting. It was almost eerie at times. But yeah, it, uh, it has a well Earned reputation. It's not really fun to watch, I wouldn't say, but it's easy to admire. And like I said, it's a sort of movie that's going to benefit from repeat viewings. And I do look forward to watching it again someday down the road. So, with that behind me, Brad, I moved on to Mank, the biopic about Herman Mankiewicz starring Gary Oldman. Mank, it's awesome. Well,
0: of course it is. I think it's time we talk. What is it the writer says? Tell the
1: story you know. Hello, everyone. Make yourself to home, Mr. Mankiewicz, or shall I call you Herman? Please, call me Mank.
0: Mank. Mank. Mank.
1: This is Herman Mankiewicz, but we're to call him Mank.
0: Mankiewicz.
1: Mank is directed by David Fincher, written by his late father, Jack Fincher. It's been something David Fincher's been wanting to make for years, and now Netflix has given him the opportunity, since Fincher, you know, gave them so much in creating House of Cards all those years ago, which really kickstarted the whole streaming thing for TV shows in general. In other words, Netflix owed him a lot, and he used that leverage to make his passion project Mank is in black and white. It's set in the 30s and 40s in old Hollywood, which is always a fun place to visit. And frankly, that alone would put this movie in the Oscar race because the Academy loves movies about movies. The movie bounces back and forth in time, much like the movie Citizen Kane does, following Mank as he writes the movie and flashing back to the years before, showing the relationships and events that trigger the story of the movie. Citizen Kane is... The movie is based on William Randolph Hearst, a real newspaper magnate, one of the richest men in the world who had a young love interest and who built her a bizarrely large private estate. Now, that's not to say Citizen Kane is itself a biopic, but it is based on some real people seen through Mank's eyes and then through Orson Welles' eyes. I imagine the same can be said about Mank the movie based on real people, but obviously conversations and things are invented by the filmmaker, same as every other biopic. So it's fascinatingly meta like that, and I would definitely... Definitely recommend doing what I did and watching Citizen Kane first. Even if you've seen it before, you'll just get more out of Mank if it's all fresh in your head. Gary Oldman is terrific in the role. Um, Mank had a wonderful sense of humor and was very witty and charming when he wasn't completely drunk. And when he is drunk, he's more of the embarrassing kind of drunk. He's not a mean, cruel or violent drunk, but still, he doesn't do himself any favors with the booze. He works for MGM in the flashbacks, and we get to know their stable of writers, including his brother. We also get to know the people in charge, notably Studio Chief Louis B. Mayer and producer extraordinaire Irving J. Thalberg, for which there is a special Oscar named after. Those are establishment guys. The studio is what matters to them. They're friends with Hearst as well, and they're all influential in politics. Mank, on the other hand, is anti-establishment, at least in the creative sense. He doesn't mind cashing the checks from the studio. $5,000 a week during the Depression is a pretty good payday, by the way. There's a lot of stuff pertaining to the politics of the day, which, of course, we see in Citizen Kane. And it's also relevant to today— and Fincher's movie does a good job of tying all those things together. It's really kind of amazing what he does. When we're introduced to the earliest version of Mank, he's already a big-deal writer at the studio. By the time he gets around to writing Citizen Kane a decade later, he feels like he's washed up. So in those flashbacks, we see how his relationships with the people he will eventually base the Citizen characters on develop and how they change for the better and for the worse. Amanda Seyfried plays Marion Davies. She's terrific. Davies was an actress who was also Hearst's, Mistress and Mank's close friend. He has several close women friends in the movie. His wife doesn't seem to mind, and they are all indeed platonic relationships. But this uh, Seyfried character, Marion Davies, is perceived by the rest of Hollywood as a dumb blonde bimbo, but she's really much smarter than that. And uh, Amanda Seyfried is is literally the odds on favorite to win the Oscar in best supporting actress at this moment. With the studio guys, Mank is one of those people who can sort of get away with making fun of people to their face somehow. Again, it helps that he can churn out good scripts that make them a lot of money. And of course there's Orson Welles. He's really not in Mank too much, but he is a powerhouse in the limited screen time he gets, as you would expect. Um, Welles sent Mank out to a ranch in the desert to write Citizen Kane, away from any distractions. The only problem being that Mank had been in a car crash and had a huge cast on his leg, so he needed a nurse and someone to take dictation and type for him as he was stuck in bed. And even though it's supposed to be a dry environment, he keeps finding Way to get drunk it's all very clever in the unfolding of the story especially like i said if you've just watched citizen kane and you can see a lot of the parallels it looks gorgeous in black and white fincher throws in some old timey style things as well with a lot of scenes fading to black after at the end of a scene like a lot of movies used to do and like he and brad pitt lectured us about in fight club fincher adds those cigarette burns to the corner of the screen to let you know it's time to switch reels on the projector. That's kind of neat. The music, great again. He's collaborating with Trent Reznor and Atticus Finch like he has for the last 10 or 15 years. Overall, Mank is just a very impressive movie. I think it'll only be more and more impressive on rewatches, just like Citizen Kane. It's almost certainly going to be up for a lot of Oscars in... When are the Oscars now? I think April. Although it's hard to imagine it being a fan favorite because black and white, for whatever reason, is still a deal-breaker for so many people. Um, Citizen Kane Scholars I think would definitely... I, was, I wrote dig it, but maybe just be interested in it, because I think a lot of them are actually up in arms with some of the little disputed details of the history there. My only real gripe is that it maybe got a little bogged down with the political stuff. They could have sped through that section a little faster, I think. But uh, I had a great time watching the double feature. Um, four couch cushions out of five for me. Brett? Two things. First of all, the yep. black
0: and white thing. is uh, That's kind of like subtitles for some people. Right, like they they see black and white and immediately they check out, just like if they see subtitles, they immediately check out. Like I remember telling a friend about it, and I know we talk about this a lot, so I I hate to use this, but this is the go to example. It's Trapped, that Icelandic show on Netflix that we both uh, enjoy very much. And I told this person about it, and they said, Oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I love murder mysteries. So I put it on, and as soon as she saw subtitles, I could see the light go out. (laughs) I could see she was no longer (laughs) interested. She tolerated that first episode, but I could tell she had no interest. She wasn't paying attention because subtitles. My mom hated movies with subtitles. A lot of people just do not like subtitles. And I think it's the same thing for black and white. A lot of people just see black and white and think, why would I want to watch something in black and white when it's 2020 and everything's in color? I like... I, I the odd movie that's in black and white. I think it uh, sometimes black and white can almost be more immersive. Not sure how, oh, but absolutely. it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It is, it's it's really cool, and a lot of filmmakers really like it. And I mentioned how this was a passion project for Fincher. You'll if you look through a lot of uh, big time directors' filmographies, you will see that they have a big hit, like Woody Allen had Annie Hall, and then his next movie is Black and White Manhattan because he won Oscars for Andy Hall. He could do whatever he wanted. He said, I want to make a black and white movie. The Coen brothers had a big hit with Old Brother Where Art Thou. Their next movie wasn't black and white. Then nobody watched it. So the the filmmakers love to you know, at least try it out kind of thing. Same with, uh, yeah, Scorsese did uh, Taxi Driver and not long after that came Raging Bull in black and white. So Mm. if they can do it, they're going to do it. Filmmakers love doing this sort of thing. So, And now Fincher's got his and for his passion project. And uh, uh, I think he's hit a home run. I guess, I think he must be, proud of what he's done
0: here and the second thing i wanted i observed you mentioned that mank was cashing checks that were five thousand dollars a week during the depression yeah uh so w- w- what year would, would this have been set in the movie came out in what 1941 so, yeah and
1: i think the farthest of flashbacks go are like 1934 or something like that
0: okay so it's in there somewhere so that's five thousand that's a ton of money now five thousand dollars in 1934 so five thousand a week in nineteen thirty four. That's the equivalent <laughs> to uh, ninety seven thousand dollars. So it, it would be like he if he was cashing that check today, he'd be ba- being paid ninety seven thousand
1: dollars a week. So That's he amazing. he was clearly a rich man, so and he's the writer. The writer, like the movie stars, got more than that, of course, right? But it was also even in the depression. I think people. That's when people want the movies, right? Because they want something to distract them from their problems for two hours.
0: Up next, speaking of distracting you from your problems, I want to tell you about something that will fill you, hopefully, with hope and inspiration. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad Hees, Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Last week... I watched that Mr. Rogers movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, because I needed something uplifting to watch or something feel-good. Primarily because I had watched that really good but really bleak science fiction show, Raised by Wolves. Well, that, watching that Mr. Rogers movie, actually made me watch something else that I've been meaning to watch for a while uh, that I knew would make me happy. I don't know why I've delayed it for so long. It's called You Are Here, A Come From Away Story. And yes, this has to do... With 9 11, but just listen to this.
1: I was in the office that morning, and all of a sudden, the TV, you know, flashes, breaking story, and they show a picture of the World Trade Center, and there's this huge hole. And I looked at the hole, and I said, This is not
0: a small plane. At the back of my head, I know that mom's in the air that day. My co pilot and I are sitting there in the air to air frequency, said that an airplane had hit the World Trade Center with that came the word
1: terrorism. The 737 just hit the World Trade Center,
0: it's is real world. Next thing we hear is the New York airspace is closed. Then all of the U.S. airspace is closed. Then a pilot came on the PA and said, due to a terrorist attack, we'll be landing in Gander, Newfoundland. I never heard of Newfoundland. If a look up on the map, I thought it was an island somewhere, but I wasn't
1: too sure where Banks it was. Planes crossing the Atlantic. Our first point of contact with North America is Newfoundland.
0: Everybody that comes to Newfoundland, you're come from a ways. You're come from somewhere else. So that's why we call people on the plane. come from a ways.
1: And you could see Jumble Jet. Like, oh my gosh, thirty planes. And they're all here in Gander.
0: Every single plane over the ocean is being diverted here, I think. 7,000 people showed up in a community of 9,000 and stayed for four days. The Ganderites, they were always cheery. It was always love and what can I do for you. We just fell out of the sky onto their town. <laughs> like a plague of locusts. We've been taken out of turmoil in the world. But we've been taken care of by these people in Gander. The spirit of what they did, taking care of strangers. Everyone knows the story of 9-11, but they want to take something positive from it. And this story is a positive. We saw 7,000 people who needed food, they needed clothing, they needed shelter, but most of all, they needed love. They told us they were going to write a musical about 9-11. You are gonna do what? And I will touch on that musical in a moment. But yes, You Are Here, a come-from-away story. It's available on Crave. It's a Canadian documentary, debuted two years ago, and tells a story about those 6,600 people who unexpectedly land in the small town of Gander, uh, 11,000 people in Gander, and the incredible outpouring of support that the Ganderites showed for them. And the reason why I wanted to watch this is because I did, in fact, see that musical... Come from Away, which debuted in 2013, and uh, it's an award-winning musical. Here's just here's a chunk of that. I saw that musical come from away in uh, early 2019, and or it was 2018, I think. Doesn't matter. And uh, the person I w- went with this woman who looked at me throughout, because I kept crying, because it was overwhelmingly emotional, good, sad, happy, and it was just such an amazing musical, and she looked at me and said, are you all right? As in, like, what is your problem, dude? Stop crying. And then, so of course, when I watched the documentary, I spent more than half of it crying, because it's just so emotional, and the people in Gander, it's just the kindness that they showed these passengers was overwhelming. So I think that's why I think you should watch it, because if you need a story of kindness, I can't think of something better to recommend than you are here, A Come From Away Story. You can find it on Crave. That's all the time we have. I'm Brad, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Next week, we are going to look at the best of the rest before the following week, we count down our favorite TV shows of the year. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.